Well, about 20 years ago, right around the turn of the new millennium, a new female artist started turning some heads in the world of country music. Her name was Jamie O'Neill, starting her career with back-to-back number one hits. And I am honored to welcome her as a guest on tonight's show. Jamie, welcome to the Honky Tonk Time Machine. Thank you so much. It's awesome to be talking to you today. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. And and we want to kind of get caught up with you and see what you've been up to lately. I understand you actually are going to have a new album that's coming out this fall, and you've already released the new single off that album, which we've been playing. The album is called Now and Then, right? Exactly. And the first single off of that album is called World Goes On. Now, people have been hearing that on K103. In fact, I just heard it a few minutes ago. Loving the way it sounds, and it's very relevant right now with everything going on. Thank you so much. I I really hope it gives people a sense of hope and is uplifting during, you know, the the really hard times that we have going on right now, you know, and just realizing we can get through it and that better days are ahead. Now, for those who haven't heard it yet, tell us about it. You know, what's the song about? How'd you come up with it? We started a while ago, um, and then I rewrote and finished the the chorus, um, the verse and chorus lyrics to fit the pandemic and the quarantine and you know, kind of how I was feeling about everything and, you know, kind of knowing what I needed to hear right then, that, that there's hope and that, um, you know, you go outside and the sun is coming up every day, the birds are chirping, the trees are blooming, and the world is going on, you know, because for such a, a long time and even still, it would it felt like it was paused, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm relating to that so much right now, and I think just about everybody is. So if you haven't heard it yet, it's definitely worth a listen, and we're going to play it on the show tonight as well. But you said you reworked some of the song to make it fit kind of what we're going through right now. Have you been doing a lot of writing during this quarantine time? I have been working on my album, recording more than writing. Okay. Um, and just in that mode of constant creativity, which has been really nice, a nice way to escape watching the news and just, um, you know, feeling too down about everything. I've just been throwing myself into work and, and just being creative because that makes me feel happy, you know. Uh, it's what I love to do. Yeah, it's kind of what we all have to do right now. Keep busy, keep your mind off of things, and look for that light at the end of the tunnel. So the album, we can expect it out this fall, now and then. Sounds like it's going to be kind of a mix of new and old. You'll have some hits on there, reimagined, and some new music as well. Exactly, yeah. It's a mix of both. Um, And the versions are different than the original records, but not so different that you won't recognize the song. And it's been really cool to create those again and just do things a little bit differently. And, you know, obviously you kind of change things anyway from the start of when you wrote the song to recording it. And then being on stage performing it for so many years, you kind of get just you get to do things differently. You start, you know, singing it in a different way. So I think it, it's going to sound a little bit different than than it used to originally. Um, and then the new songs, it's just so great to have been able to concentrate on what I want to record and what songs I want to put out there and what I think everyone will, will want to hear. And there's some fun songs and some more serious songs. Um you know, obviously relationship songs, people can relate to those probably the most. So there's falling in love and breaking up and, you know, everything in between. There's a drinking song called Spin the Bottle. Um, so there's just a, a nice mixture of different different kind of songs. And I know There's No Arizona and Somebody's Hero will be on there as well, the, the new versions of those. Can you tell us what some of the other hits are that are going to be on there? Um, Somebody's Hero, Atlanta, Trying to Find Atlanta. Okay. 
and then Arizona and Angels, those four. Cool. And again, we can expect that to come out this fall. It's been 20 years since that first single release. It's hard to believe it's already been 20 years since since you came onto the scene. How much would you say your style, the, the way you perform or the way you record or write music has changed in those 20 years? Or maybe the better word is evolved. Has it changed? I think definitely, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm probably still the same when it comes to my voice. I don't know that that's changed too much. And I just, I feel like um, it's nothing that I really do. It's like, I feel like every singer is given a gift to be able to sing and to use that instrument, you know, in the best way possible. So I feel like my singing probably hasn't changed, but in laying down tracks and recording, um, I'm recording again on Monday. And um, I think that has changed a little bit. There's a little bit more of a pop element to it. But for me, I've always been a little bit more into pop as well as country. And I've always like, even Arizona had a loop on it and sounded, you know, different than what, someone might think country music sounds like and so for me when people would say oh that sounds too pop or before it came out you know I'm like well I've got to be who I am and I think that's what every artist has to be is true to themselves you can only you only know what you like so if you write something and then you record it and you think I love this I want to hear it again that's kind of the best thing to go on because authenticity is, is number one to me. And I think that the fans know when you're doing something fake or you're trying to be something you're not. And you've always been really good about, you know, staying true to yourself in that way. I know, in fact, you actually got your start. I didn't know this. I just read it that you got your start actually with Kylie Minogue. I'm interested to know how that came about. Well, that's funny. Um, she and I, obviously both from Australia, and we know a lot of the same people back there in, in Melbourne. And um, they were looking for background vocalists to go on tour. Um, and the keyboard player called me up and asked me, the band leader, if I'd like to join. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I can't wait to get out there. And we toured the world. It was so much fun. Um, I learned a lot from her, you know, because there was no one bigger at that time, especially all over Europe. She's never quite been as big in the States, but over there, you know, it, she's, you know, Madonna status, I guess, kind of thing. <laughs> so it was interesting in my early 20s to be able to tour with her and see at that level how everything was run and how, how hard she worked. And from that point, then, how did you transition into country music? Take me, take me through that part and how, you know, that came together. Well, it's more the opposite. I grew up singing country music with my family on the road. We lived out of our RV and we went from fair to fair to fair, and I opened for Dolly Parton and Crystal Gale and the Oak Ridge Boys, cool. Gatlin Brothers. So I grew up singing country music. My dad always wrote our songs, and then we did, like, gospel medleys and things like that. And then it was just my parents got divorced, and my mom moved back to Australia. And so I went over there uh, to live with her for a while when I was 21 and to check out Australia, where I'd been raised over here but born over there. So I wanted to go back, meet my relatives, see my grandparents, you know, that kind of thing. And I ended up going over there and then, you know, all this work came my way, you know, including the Kylie Minogue tour. And I thought, well, I'm just going to stay based out of here for a while. Meantime, sending my demo tapes of my songs that I'd written back to Nashville, trying to get a deal for myself all that time. And then finally in 96, I was able to get a publishing deal with Harold Shedd and they, they brought me back over. And that's what started my journey 
back in Nashville, but I've always done country music. Well, as someone whose parents are divorced as well, you know, that's never a, a good thing to go through, having to split time between two parents. However, one thing that did come out of it that seems like it could have been pretty cool was the fact that you got to pretty much grow up in two really cool places, Australia and the United States. Which part of each did you grow up in? Well, when I was born, it was Sydney, Australia. And then when we came to the States, my parents were performers. And at first we were based out of L.A., um, but then they moved to Kentucky. Actually, we lived in Vegas, which is where I started singing. And then they moved to Kentucky, to Louisville, Kentucky, because our manager was there, and then on to Nashville, and then back to L.A., <laughs> then back to Australia, and then back to Nashville. So you've been all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. I've been <laughs> dragged across the globe. But um, this is my third time living in Nashville. It's the longest I've ever lived anywhere, and it's definitely home. Well, that's awesome. And since you've been in Nashville, not only have you made a pretty amazing recording career for yourself, but you've also done a pretty good job writing songs for other artists like Reba, Leanne Rimes, Martina McBride, and even Adina Menzel. So what was it like working with, with all those people? Yeah, I mean, as a songwriter, you know, you write something, and then like with the Leanne Rimes was my first cut, and my publisher at the time didn't even want me to demo the song, and when he went out of town, I snuck and demoed it, and we got it to Leanne Rimes, and it was amazing because she wanted to cut it, and at that time, I didn't have a record deal. I've always been writing songs just kind of with myself in mind. I never wrote specifically for anybody else, but at different times for certain reasons like with the martina song i was pregnant and i knew i wasn't going to have a song out on it on radio because i was taking a break and we we wrote how far and it was like oh who could sing this well it's got it's so rangy it's a martina song yeah that seemed obvious and then when she loved the song and cut it it was just like the biggest blessing you know and reba cutting pink guitar was just another one of those flukes one of my close friends is one of her best friends, and she played it for Reba, and Reba loved it. So I think it's I've been lucky in that way, but it's nothing that I actually, like Stacey Winans cut one of my songs, and that was like, wow, I, I'm just such a fan of her voice. She's incredible. Um, and that was on a gospel album, and the album won a Grammy. Um, and so that was a, another gift. You know, it's like I've been lucky enough to hear some of the best, worldwide best female singers sing songs that I've co-written, and it, it feels fantastic. 